This is your gateway to the latest trends in the Gulf, bringing you exclusive insights and thought-provoking discussions. Welcome to AB Majlis, an Arabian business podcast. You can find our weekly episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And for more exclusive content, subscribe to us on arabianbusiness.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of AB Majlis. I'm Lisa Amnegard, editor for Arabian Business Traveler. From face masks and serums to mascaras and lipsticks, there's no doubt that the beauty industry is booming. Everyone from influencers such as Yumi Corey to celebrities like Rihanna and Kylie Jenner are all jumping on the trend. Tarek Khan, chairman and CEO of the UAE makeup brand Citizen Cosmetics, joins us today to break down his own remarkable journey into the beauty and cosmetic sector. Welcome, Tarek. Thank you so much for having me. And since you founded Citizen Cosmetics, it's done exceptionally well in such short amount of time. But let's just start straight off the bat and talk about how you got into these spaces. You're not the typical beauty influencer or has this story that other beauty brands have getting into this space. So you actually come from an investment banking background and you've worked in corporate finance for over 30 years and you've also been active in the consumer and retail sector, but you kind of left all that and you decided to start your own cosmetics brand. So Tell me why beauty and what made this industry so lucrative from an investment perspective. In my wildest dreams, I never would have thought I would have ended up in this industry. Like as I was growing up, as I was going through my professional career, because my background was more private equity, corporate finance, all finance. I was sitting on the board of a group here in the UAE and they were predominantly involved in fashion. So one day the owner of the group comes in, he goes, listen, I think I want to move out of fashion into beauty. And so not wanting to be a useless board member, I asked, well, why do you want to do that? Yeah. And he goes, well, with fashion, I find like I'm in overpriced fitting room. So we, we sell these expensive clothes and consumers come in, they try them, they take selfies, then they go online and they can usually buy them cheaper because people are price sensitive. And he goes, but with beauty, I find that the, the consumer is impulsive. If they find the right shade, the right color, they just want it. So his idea was to create like a multi-brand, cool beauty store with indie brands in there. So I wanted to do a deep dive into cosmetics and I'd say, oh, okay, you want to do that. And then I started studying everything that I could get my hands on. And my research was Google. <laughs> so I went and I, I read the annual reports for LVMH, Estee Lauder, L'Oreal. I read what the consumer funds were doing. And as you were saying, you know, these phenomenal successes where brands have gone from zero to over a billion in valuation in five to six years. Yeah, it's crazy. And everything that I'm reading makes me think like, wow, I want to be in this. But I didn't want to be in it as a representative of a brand. I wanted to create a brand. Was that from just from an investment point of view or what was behind the idea? So, yeah, because I, I didn't want to be a retailer. Like, in other words, my vision wasn't, oh, I'm going to set up these cosmetic stores and have many of them. I didn't like a Sephora or something like that. I said, I want to create a brand. So I go to a friend of mine who pays for his research, unlike me, who gets it from Google. And I go to a friend of mine who's a consultant, a partner, and I go, listen, I go, I really like the beauty industry, but you got to tell me, am I missing anything? Like, is there something I should be watching out for? So he comes back and he goes, listen, he goes from a margins point of view, 
no better business. And it is really phenomenal. And he goes from a geographic point of view, and I like the term he used, he goes, it's geographically agnostic. He goes, unlike people who produce expensive handbags, shoes, jewelry, dresses, they really have to say, can the market afford me if I go into this market? With beauty, you can typically find a consumer that can afford you regardless of which market you go into. So he goes, that's the good news. The challenge you're going to have, very saturated, very competitive. So not only do you have to make a great product, but your packaging and branding have to be unique. And the last thing he said, and this was the one that really resonated, and he goes, and if you're going to do this, focus on the Gen Zenial market. And back then, I didn't know what the heck a Gen Zenial <laughs> was, right? So he tells me it's, it's your millennials and your Gen Z combined together, add water and mix, and you get a Gen Zenial. So it's basically your 18-year-old to your 40-year-old. And he goes, the reason you focus on them is they're the first generation that will buy it and then try it. He goes, older generations like you typically want to try it and then you buy it. But this generation says, if my favorite influencer or my favorite blogger says this is a great product, I'll buy it first, I'll try it second. So I've got three daughters who are in their 20s. So I went to them as my Genzennial case study. And I go, listen, my little Genzennials, talk to me about how you feel about cosmetics and what you would do differently if you're involved. So all the credit for creating this brand now goes to them. I had a vision, but I didn't know how I was, I was going to execute on it. So being my daughters and my skin tone, <laughs> they felt that they had a one-way relationship with the beauty industry. They felt they loved it, but it didn't love them back. Just and, to, just to mm -hmm. so our listeners know that your daughters, they're South Asian, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. sorry. So I'm Pakistani, as is their mother. They were born in California, they were raised in Dubai, and they studied abroad. They're American by birth, Pakistani by ethnicity. Their skin tone is more South Asian skin tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. correct. Thanks for highlighting that. So they're like, when we go to buy beauty products, one, when we walk into a store, we don't identify with anybody in the campaigns. We don't feel seen. Secondly, we typically have to buy two shades, mix it together to get our perfect shade because we don't think anybody's thinking of us when they're making these products. And we have friends who are darker than us and even lighter than us who have the same challenges. Typically the olive skin tone, the mid-tone, the dark tone are not being addressed by the beauty industry. So they go, that's where we feel it's a one-way relationship with the beauty industry. We're, mm -hmm. we're loving it, but it's definitely not loving us back. I go, okay, what else? And I didn't realize this at the time. They go, do you know how many animal byproducts go into making a lot of these cosmetics? And at that time, I didn't know, but it's actually pretty gross. It's like everything from insect pigments to animal fats to pig acids, the things that you can put in cosmetics to give it the shine, the color, everything else. So they said the other thing that we would want to do for inclusivity, meaning we're going to represent every skin tone out there, yeah. is we should also be vegan-friendly formulas. Because then what you're saying is, whether you're a Buddhist, a Hindu, a Muslim, a Jew, a pacifist, doesn't matter what your beliefs are, whatever you're applying to the largest organ of your body, which is your skin, is aligned with your beliefs. So that was the second thing that they said. I said, okay, so what would we call our brand if we did it? And so when they were growing up, as I said, they were born in the U.S. to Pakistani parents, living in Dubai, you know, traveling abroad. People would always say, where are you from? And very naively, they would say, I'm from California. And then they would point to their skin and go, no, no, where are you really from, right? Then they mm -hmm. would say Pakistan, but although they didn't live there, grow up there, anything. So then my mother, their grandmother would say, well, 
you should always tell people you're a citizen of the world, which so many of us are with intermarriages and being born and raised and growing up in different places. I have friends, expat friends, whose children are being born and raised in Dubai. Now, if they say, where are you from? And they go from Dubai, they go, no, no, where are you really from based on your skin? It's the same thing. So that's how the brand Citizen Cosmetics was born. And of course, because this generation doesn't know how to spell, we had to spell it C-T-Z-N <laughs> instead of properly. So that was the birth of uh, our brand. And then so the first thing that we wanted to do was we said, what's the first product we're going to come out with? And what we realized was nobody was addressing nude lip colors. And now, As if for, for South Asian Well, no, people. for any skin, right? Because, oh, okay, the word nude, depending on who says it, could mean pink, it could mean beige, it could mean chocolate brown, right? That one word has a different connotation depending on the person who's saying it. Mm. And, and so we weren't claiming that those colors didn't exist. We were saying that no one's calling them nudes. So why is a nude in one person's mind a pink and another person's mind a chocolate brown? Right. So we we decided the first thing we were going to come up with was called Nudiversal and it's going to be the Nudiversal lipstick and lip gloss in one. So yeah. it's basically creating a nude that would be universal for everyone to so use. So we came up with 25 shades of nude because that from our research would make us the most inclusive range of nude lipsticks. Mm. So that's what we came up with. So we have 25 shades of nude that go from super light to super dark. So the next step was, well, where are we going to manufacture this, right? And I wanted to go to the best factories in the world, not the cheapest, not the fastest. I wanted to go to the best. And we realized that in order to do that, we, the best factories are in Europe, in my opinion. So we found a European factory. And the funny thing is they're not taking my phone calls. They're not replying to my emails. Really? Of course, because I'm a nobody, right? <laughs> like I'm calling like, oh, we would like to use your services. And they're like, we're, we're huge. We work with like some of the biggest brands you could ever think of. Why would we work with you, right? So finally, I found that they had this um, this representative office in London, okay? I go and I'm like, now I'm harassing this poor old lady who's probably <laughs> you know, just running this office. And she goes, okay, fine. I will give you a meeting. I have an 11 a.m. and a 3 p.m. Show up at 1. And if I'm not running late, I will see you. So I show up at 1 o'clock in her office. So it's kind of your break. You had most few hours. That was honestly the biggest break I could have asked for, right? So I go in there and I go, listen, I'm going to be your next billion dollar brand. And I said, I'm loyal to anyone who's loyal to me. If you give me the opportunity to work with you, I will stay loyal to you as long as my brand continues to grow. So she goes, okay, let me go back to my directors and see what we can do. And thankfully they accepted us and was like, yes. And the thing is, you've done very well. You started the company in 2019, and today you're already present in Sephora in the UK on their online platforms and also in Nordstrom in the US. I don't know if there's any other major department stores where you're present in, but it's gone very fast. So my next question is, is this normal for the industry or do larger department stores take startups? That's a really good question. And I think I would like to say it's not normal and it's exceptional. And I'm not trying to be egotistical, but I'll give you a small example, right? So when we we went live May 15, 2019, right? And we know we have a great product. Wow. No retailer wanted us. They go like, why should we carry you? You have no social media presence. Never heard of you. If I put you on my shelves, you'll probably not drive any footfall to me. I'll probably drive footfall to you, but you're not going to, people are not going to come to my store because they go, oh, you carry Citizen, right? 
So what we did, because look, at the end of the day, I'm not an influencer. I'm not a celebrity. I'm not a makeup artist. I'm not even a user of the product, right? So people are like, why are you even getting into this business? By the way, there was a lot of celebrity brands coming up, right? And even if my girls are the face of the brand, they are the, the genuine co-founders, but they're not celebrities. They're not influencers. They have, mm. you know, limited following on their social media platforms. So we said, okay, do we believe we have a really good product? And the answer was, yes, we do. So I hired a gifting agency in Los Angeles. And believe it or not, they actually exist, right? These are agencies that have a list of high-end people that you want to get to. They have their direct addresses. And we started gifting our product. We couldn't afford to pay anyone, right? So mm. we, we couldn't buy love. We, had to, <laughs> we just gifted it, right? Yeah. But we were gifting the perfect shade for the different influencers, celebrities, celebrity makeup artists, editors, uh, mm -hmm. publishers. And thankfully, we had phenomenal response. People started shouting out, oh, my God, I found my perfect shade. Thank you, Citizen, all of that. So now our social media following is going up. Second thing that happens, one of the writers for a magazine, Allure magazine, says, hey, you've got a really good product. I think you should submit it to our Allure Best of Beauty Awards, right? Now, she goes, but I'll give you a caveat. There's 10,000 products that get submitted and only 300 win in different categories. Wow. Look, we had nothing to lose by submitting, right? So we submitted and we won. We won 2019 and 2020 Allure Best of Beauty Awards for different shades of our nude. And that's incredible because that was just one year after you started that was the brand. It. So now we're award winning. We have celebrities wearing our products. We have celebrity makeup artists vouching for us. We have over 200 articles written on us. So now the illusion keyword, illusion is we're huge. 2020 comes along and we sell lipsticks for a living. And we get a memo from the world saying, please cover your lips. COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're like, seriously, God, like we just started this exactly. business and now you're saying cover your lips. So what we did do was we stayed engaged with our community online and we stopped being commercial and we just started asking questions like, how are you doing? How's this isolation, social distancing impacting you? Because people were going through a lot of mental health challenges at that time too. I, I also saw that your daughters, they were educating people about inclusivity and diversity as well during that time. Absolutely. And so now this, things happen for a reason. So the whole Black Lives Matter movement that happened, after that, there was a whole movement by retailers. Like everybody's doing things like 15% pledge. We promise 15% of the brands we're going to carry are going to be from Black and Brown founders, things like that. So we got acknowledged because we'd won awards for nude, two awards for different skin tones, right? A light a medium skin tone and a dark one. So we basically started telling people, Citizen Cosmetics, we were born to be inclusive, where everybody else had to learn to be inclusive. So you're 100% right. So that actually raised our profile. So we got approached by a brand called 13 Loon. Now, 13 Loon was started by this incredible lady named Nikhail, and she wanted to focus predominantly on black and brown founders and give them a platform where they could sell their product. So we got approached by them saying, would you like to be listed on our online platform? We said, yes. Now, if you remember, right post-COVID, retail was really taking a hit, right? Because yeah. shopping malls were shut down, things like that. So JCPenney in the United States filed bankruptcy. Now, the reason usually you do that is for restructuring purposes. Sephora used to have shop and shops inside JCPenney. So Sephora gave notice to JCPenney, we are exiting, we're going to move on. 
So they had this gap in their stores. They approached 13 Loon saying, hey, 13 Loon, we want to get behind this inclusivity movement. Would you open your shop and shops inside JCPenney? Now, because we were with 13 Loon, we got invited to go in there. So in addition to Nordstrom, we're also now in 610 JCPenney stores through 13 Loon. Oh, wow. So it it seems that the industry itself has a great, it has a great exponential growth. And then also through marketing and timing, it's gone very well for Citizen Cosmetics. But also what's interesting is that despite now, this year, there's been several economic challenges, but the beauty industry has still been quite resilient. Why is that, do you think? Very resilient. So I think it was Leonard Lauder from Estee Lauder came up with something called the lipstick index. And what he said was when markets go down, lipstick sales go up. Because what is the most inexpensive way for a woman to feel good about herself? It's with a great lipstick, right? When you can't afford your shoes or your handbag or your jewelry or your dresses, you can typically still afford your lipstick. Just historically, the color cosmetics market has always steadily grown. And the trends within it may change. Like it it could go from different colors and maybe glitter to the no makeup, makeup look, things like that. And what you just said about going exponentially is so true. It's one of the few industries where you don't grow one, two, three, four, five. You go one, five, 15, 40, 50, 80, 100. And the reason for that is because, you know, you get one retailer like a Sephora. Sephora has, I think, 2,400 stores, right? So let's say today we're in 700 stores. Tomorrow, and hopefully they will, if Sephora calls us and says, we're putting you in 2,400 stores. Guess what? I just grew 300% overnight. Wow. Yeah, because um, these stores are huge and they're yeah. some of them international as well. I was just wondering because you mentioned that you're present in the US and in the UK, but essentially you're targeting South Asian customers, where in the Arab world, I read that there's around 486 million consumers. So are you exploring this region as well? Absolutely. Because the thing is, what we wanted to do was we genuinely wanted to leverage our inclusivity, right? So now by inclusivity, we're not targeting the South Asian groups or or any one segment. We're saying we are for everyone. In other words, so the citizen brand guarantee, if you shop at citizen, you'll always find your perfect shade. Now, regardless of you could be albino white to like chocolate dark, it doesn't matter what, what your skin complexion is. So our brand guarantee always has been you'll find your perfect shade. Now, if if we're not capable of creating a shade for every skin tone, we won't make the product. Mm. And for example, like right now, the biggest challenge for us is foundations. Because for foundations, our last research showed we have to have 53 shades of foundation to hit every skin tone. And we're not capable of that Mm. right now. So we've kind of missed out on that for now. So are you selling in the MENA region, your products? So we we want to be in the MENA region. So the way we, we started was... The U.S. is like trendsetter in so many different ways. And so we wanted to penetrate the U.S. first, which we've done successfully by, you know, the celebrities, the winning the awards, the articles, the coverage. Like, uh, for example, a proud father moment, but my children were, my three daughters were on the Today Show, which is one of the largest morning talk shows in the United States three weeks ago. So now we've created this presence And we do want to now come into the region. So we're getting ready. And I think in probably 
first quarter 2024, we do want to come into the region. Saudi Arabia, UAE, the entire GCC is probably one of the largest consumers of color cosmetics in the world per capita. So it's a huge market. Huge. Just finally, for anyone who is looking into launching their own beauty brand, do you have any advice for them? Absolutely. Number one, hire a Gen Zennial because the <laughs> way they think, honestly, like with all my experience and as much as I think I know what I'm doing and everything, had my daughters not been involved, we would not be as successful as we are. This new generation, you've got to tap into them because we're living in a very social media world. We're living in a very digital world. And if you don't have somebody who grew up with that, you're, you're missing out. That's interesting. And I'm excited to see what happens next with your brand. And thank you so much for joining us today. It was really interesting and best of luck. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. And thank you to all of our subscribers. Sign up to arabianbusiness.com for all exclusive content. Thank you.